Bombas's mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has something for everyone. Socks for every activity and a ton of designs and styles. T-shirts and cuts that hang just right and feel soft no matter what you're doing. Bombas underwear that's so comfortable, you wonder how you ever wore anything else. Socks, underwear, T-shirts. These essentials are the top three most requested clothing items in homeless shelters. And that's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. Go to Bombas bombas.com slash legends and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash legends for 20% off. Bombas.com slash legends. This week on Myths and Legends, there are three stories of things worth more than gold. You'll learn that eating gold and jewels might be bad for your health, and that if at first you don't succeed at something, keep paying your entire year's salary again and again until you realize you're making terrible life choices as the saying goes. The creature this week is a cow's stomach with eyes that really hates oppression. This is Myths and Legends, episode 263. You can't take it with you. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. This week on the podcast, there are three stories of things worth more than gold. On the first, it's a story from Slavic folklore, and we'll see a very graphic presentation of the phrase, you can't take it with you. The rich man's time had come. Or... So he had been convinced. For days, he had been frantically looking out the window to see if death, an angel, the devil, whoever was coming for him. By the end of the week, he was sure about it. He knew that he had seen a shadowy figure standing under the lamp in the street. His life was over, and what did he have to show for it? <laughs> well, all of these awesome riches, for one. He made so many withdrawals from the bank the following day all the withdrawals, actually. Now, he sat in front of a big pile of banknotes, gold, jewels, and he put on his bib. Dad, what are you doing? One of the sons screamed when he arrived at the house later on that evening for a visit. His dad hadn't answered the door, so he let himself in. In the back, the son found, well, he found the dad frantically eating all of his wealth. You know how they say, you can't take it with you, the dad said? Fighting his son for his next bite of gold bullion, the son finally relented, allowing his dad to eat the piece of metal before chiseling off another. But why are you doing this, the son pleaded. He thought that he was going to die? Eating all this gold, jewels, and bills might actually kill him. There's all that stuff about how you should store up treasure in heaven and all that, right? Where moth and rust don't destroy, the father said washing down another fillet of gold with some diamonds. Well, uh, he wasn't so big on that. He had stored up a lot of treasure here on earth, though. And he was going to smuggle it in. He grinned, digging into his banknote salad. The son said that really wasn't the meaning of that verse. It wasn't like literal treasure. It was like, I don't know, good deeds and following God and stuff. <laughs> the rich man laughed. Even better. People were terrible here on earth. 
the conversion rate for his money would be astronomical. The son said the rich man, his father, hadn't been all that great either. Did he remember how he tore down an orphanage to replace it with a workhouse, in which he then put all the children to work for exploitative rates in very unsafe working conditions? (laughs) The man said, yeah, good times. But his son was right. The rich man said that he wasn't perfect, but no one was. Not even St. Peter at the pearly gates, he said with a wink. The son asked him to please explain. The rich man said he didn't want to say too much because old Petey's boss was probably watching, but he wasn't opposed to coughing up some dough to grease Peter's palms. Get it? Cough up dough because I'm eating an unsafe amount of non-edible materials? The son said, yeah, he got it, but that seemed like a stretch. The old man said, yeah, he had been drinking a lot of water to stretch out his stomach. He had thought this through. The son tried to pull his father away from the pile of riches in front of him, to no avail. The father threatened to scream that there was a thief if his son took his money. And short of tying the rich man up, the son couldn't keep his father from eating his own riches. He clenched his fists and pointed to his dad. Stop eating money! He said he was running off for help. He came back with his brother. But both men stopped cold in the doorway of the bedroom. Their father was hunched over what remained of his earthly wealth. He was right. Death had been coming for him. Because, while eating all of his money, he had died. Look, I'm not a doctor, so I can't say for sure, the sexton, who came to help prepare the body for burial, said. But it was absolutely him eating all of his gold and jewels and cash that did him in. Why would he do that? The son said that they had no idea. He thought that death was coming for him, and in that way, he wasn't wrong. Man, thanks. Though their dad wasn't much of a churchgoer, they appreciated the sexton coming to chant psalms over his body. The sexton said no problem. He took a seat to keep watch over the body in the night. The sons left and prepared themselves for a long day tomorrow. The sexton chanted psalms for a while before settling in. The most difficult part of this gig was just trying to stay awake. Then, sometime after midnight, a cold wind blew through the room. The sexton felt a chill. The hairs on his neck stood up. Despite the doors being locked and the only window being just open a crack, the sexton knew he was no longer alone in the room. In the corner of the room, a chilling presence stepped forward, making itself known. The sexton's eyes widened. He was in the presence of the devil himself. Oh, hey, the sexton said with a yawn, then went back to his book. He's one of yours then? A well-dressed man stepped from the shadows and looked over the body. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, he is. Did that surprise the sexton? The sexton shook his head. No, it did not. Was it the orphanage thing? The devil laughed. Yeah, that didn't help. But it also didn't help that he basically worshipped money, hoarding it all while so many around him went without. The sexton laughed this time. Oh man, the devil was going to crack up when he found out how this one died. The devil shrugged. He didn't get any info beyond which ones he had to drag to the bad place. What was it? He asked with a grin. The sexton said he wanted the devil to do something first. Just 
Pick the guy up. He had to do it anyway, right? The devil nodded. Yeah. As the devil walked over, the sexton said that the guy was going to want to lift with his legs. The devil cocked an eyebrow, bent low, and barely managed to get the rich man's body off the table. When the man was on his shoulder, the devil shook the man, and he jingled like a change purse. Did he? The devil asked. The sexton nodded. Oh yeah. The devil laughed. Wow. Was it the verse about treasure in heaven? I guess, the sexton said. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, not my goodness, I'm the devil. But wow, talk about your misinterpretations. Man. Yeah, he thought you were coming for him, so he was going to smuggle riches into heaven, the sexton said, turning a page in his book. Talk about your self-fulfilling prophecies, the devil marveled. This was like a Greek tragedy, except somehow more sad. And that's saying something, because those had unintentional incest murders. The devil took a step, feeling the weight of the rich man. Well, he wasn't doing this. He turned to the sexton. Hey, open up the, like, flaps on your cloak thing, sexton. The sexton stood, opening up his coat, and the devil turned the rich man upside down and shook all the cash he had eaten out of the man and into the sexton's coat. You might think that this was a blessing for the sexton in the church, but it was all covered in bile and stomach acid and vomit, so it was the perfect level of good deed that the devil was comfortable with. Nice enough to be irresistible, but gross enough to still kind of be a curse. He shook the last bit of gold, jewels, and bills from the rich man before tossing the body, again, back over his shoulder. Ah, much better. The riches could go with the sexton. The bag was coming with him. With that, the devil winked and left the room in a puff of smoke. The sexton went to go look for a change of clothes, and we all got a new demonstration of the phrase, you can't take it with you. That story was just so bizarre and wonderful that I had to include it. Next up is the story of Jowan from Celtic folklore. He's had a hard time finding work, but he was finally able to find a job on a farm. We'll catch up with him at the end of his first year on Payday. Jowan wiped sweat from his forehead, sweat that was already starting to make him shiver at dusk. Well, this was it. He had been here for a year already. One year ago, he had left home, headed for the land of the Saxons. Unlike his sister and brother-in-law, he had been unable to find work in his hometown. So his wife stayed back with the children, and he would go in search of work. No use dragging them into the unknown if no work waited for him. His sister didn't mind sharing her family's food until Jowan could return. But work did wait for him, just a week's journey out from home, actually. He found a farmer who let him help out. Jowan told the man he could do anything, and for a year, he had done everything. He'd planted, farmed, milked, slaughtered, built, chopped down, you name it. With the three sovereigns he was going to make, though, like three gold coins, it would help his family live for a few years, keeping their head above water. He found his employer and sat down for a meal. Before Jowan even brought it up, the farmer smiled his gap-toothed smile and laid out three gold sovereigns on the table, Jowan's payment for a year. Jowan collected them 
and felt the weight of the gold in his hands. This was his family's security. Their future. He had done it. He would be able to take care of them. Then the farmer held up a hand. He had a bargain for Jowen. Jowen nodded, sure. He'd listened to the farmer's offer. The man had been more than fair to Jowen. If you give me back those sovereigns, I will tell you something so much more valuable. The farmer grinned. Jowen said he was listening. Was it like a treasure map or... The farmer said no. Better. He would sell Jowen advice. Jowen sighed. Okay, seriously? Advice? For three sovereigns, a year's wages, with which Jowen was going to feed his family? Advice that the farmer said was worth more than three sovereigns? The farmer nodded. Jowen laughed. Did the farmer think he was a fool? Yes, of course he would pay the three gold coins. If the farmer said the advice was worth more than the money, then that was just good business. Not on the part of the farmer who's giving away advice for less than it's worth, but a deal's a deal. Boom. Three gold coins clicked on the table as Jowen laid them out. The farmer swept them to his side and dropped them back into his pouch. He then told Jowen the advice that was worth a year's wages, which, by the way, you are going to hear for free. You're welcome. If you'd like to send, I don't know, a year's worth of wages for this advice that is worth actually way more than that, there's a PayPal link in the show notes. The farmer wet his wrinkled lips with his tongue and said, simply, never leave the old road for the sake of the new. Jowen, who had been sitting in eager expectation, deflated. Oh. Huh, okay, that's... What? No offense, but how was that worth more than three coins, a year's wages? The farmer grinned again. When the time comes, you'll know. Jowen put his hands on his knees and made to rise. Welp, that was maybe helpful, but he should be on his way. He needed to get his family these gold... Oh, no. He thudded back down in his chair. His eyes met the farmer's. Uh-oh. Hey, the man didn't happen to be hiring, did he? The farmer said that they actually just had a vacancy. They could hire the man at the starting rate of three sovereigns, payable after the first year. The man said that, eh, that was a good rate. He could start tomorrow. We'll see Jowen continue to make excellent life choices, but that will be right after this. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh, oh. Auto Parts. Jowen readied himself. Another year had passed. It was, again, late fall and time for him to head home. Okay, he was a smart guy. 
he needed to keep his eyes on the prize. And that prize was the three gold sovereigns he had earned for a year's worth of back-breaking labor. He had, had to take that money home to his wife and kids. No sidetracking, no chit-chat, get the cash, get out, take the money and run. The farmer, again, laid out the three gold coins, but stopped Jowen before he scooped them up. Did Jowen want to hear the advice? Jowen said he really needed to get this money home to his family. The farmer said that that was cool, but the advice was infinitely more valuable. Jowen said he really didn't care about value. He only needed this money. The farmer sat back and folded his arms. Hmm. Jowen's lost then. The advice will forever be a mystery. Jowen cocked his head. No, but oh, could the mystery be? The more he thought about it, the more he knew it would eat at him. He had to know what was in the mystery box. It could be anything, even a way for him to feed his family. He slammed the money down on the table. The farmer scooped it up and told him the advice. Never stay where an old man is married to a young woman. Jowen sighed. Oh, turned out the fun thing about the mystery box was the mystery. That was just kind of worthless, actually. And again, he didn't have any money to take home to his family. Again, he signed on for another year of work. One more year later, Jowen sat across from the farmer. The man gave him his three sovereigns. Jowen put the coins in his pocket and rose. The farmer said it had been a pleasure. Goodbye now. Jowen nodded. It had been a good three years, and he had been a fair man to work for, and... Okay, seriously, when was the farmer going to do it? The farmer shook his head. Do what? Make the offer for the advice. For the three gold sovereigns. The entirety of Jowen's pay. <laughs> the farmer laughed. He told Jowen that Jowen had obviously been upset with himself for paying all of his money for advice in the years past. The farmer said that Jowen didn't want it, so he wasn't even going to offer, wasn't going to put it on the table. And who are you to say that I don't want it? Jowen grew more indignant. The farmer said that he was the man who took two years worth of earnings for a grand total of two sentences. Jowen didn't want the advice. Jowen couldn't believe what he was hearing. Who did this farmer think he was? He took the sovereigns out of his pocket. Did the farmer know what these meant? These meant that their business was concluded and the farmer wasn't the boss of him anymore. So he couldn't tell Jowen what the man did and didn't want. You don't want it, the farmer replied. You know what? I do. I do want it. Lay it on me. Give me that advice. Jowen slammed the coins down. Are you sure? Oh, okay. Now you're second guessing me. Yes, tell me. The farmer shook his head and slid the coins off the table and into his pouch. Honesty is the best policy, he said. Jowen stood gritting his teeth. He didn't breathe for like a minute before he exhaled. Oh, no. The farmer was about to say he told the man, but Jowen turned to leave. It had been three years. He had nothing. This obviously wasn't working out. He needed to go home. The farmer rushed to the door and put his hand on the man's shoulder. 
Look, Jowen shouldn't start out in the dead of night. This was the Middle Ages, and if he wasn't attacked by highwaymen, it would be like a troll or a monster or something. He should stay and leave in the morning. He said he and his wife were making cakes tonight, too. If Jowen brought his wife and children a cake, that might soften the blow, you know? It would be better than coming home completely empty-handed. Jowen looked out on the literal dark forest. You know what? Sure. He would do it. He would stay. Thanks. Jowen, jolly boy, jowls, Jowen heard on his first night on the road. He spun around from his campfire, still sputtering to life to see his buddies. A few merchants from his hometown were also on their way home after selling their goods. They asked where he had been hiding out for the last three years. He told them about the farmer, but didn't tell them that he had spent three years worth of wages on what was essentially three fortune cookies worth of advice. And they all agreed to travel together. When Jowen was unpacking his bag for the night, his companion's eyes lit up. Oh, hey, Jowly, how about passing some of that road cake around? They asked when they spotted the cake that the farmer and his wife had made for Jowen. Jowen said that he couldn't. It was for his wife. And the farmer told him to eat it only when he was feeling the most joyous and that only he and his wife may eat it. So, sorry, no road cake today. The men shrugged and everyone went to bed. A couple days down the road, they were almost to a village. In fact, night had fallen and the group was getting worried traveling through the forest in the dark. They came to a fork in the road. The men bent down. Whoa, jolly check it. New road. He pricked up his ears. What What did they say? The merchants pointed down to the road. Yeah, new road. This whole thing had been closed off for a while. It was super annoying, but it was done, they guessed. It was a shortcut to the village. Good stuff. Yeah, they would leave the old road behind for this new road, and they would be there in no time. They all stopped when they saw that Jowen wasn't following. He sighed. He wasn't going to leave an old road for a new one. They asked if that was a metaphor for something. Jowen said no, just a nugget of advice he paid way too much for. He told them to go ahead. He would take the long old road. He would see them in town. It wasn't 10 minutes after they parted that Jowen heard screams from the other road. Screams for help. There were thieves. Jowen shouldered his pack, picked up his stick, and took off in a run. He, too, screamed out, Help! Thieves! as he swatted out the branches and the trees that separated the old road and the new to come to the aid of his friends. But when he made it to them, he didn't find thieves. Only hugs. Apparently, him crashing through the trees and yelling made it look like far more people were coming through. Thieves thought they got unlucky and that the authorities were on their way. So they broke and ran. Jowen had saved all of them. They made it to a town and an inn. Two inns, actually. The one on the left was brand new, and the one on the right was decrepit and spooky and looked nearly abandoned. Jowen couldn't tell if people were guests or just squatting there. He reviewed the exactly three things he had learned in the previous third of a decade, and yeah, he could stay in the nice place. There was nothing that the farmer said about that. 
he followed his friends. His friends, though, were drawn in not by the nicer establishment, but by the innkeeper's wife. You see, she had her own ways of attracting customers, and the merchants, the merchants were into it. They also really appreciated the service. Yeah, just like pile your bags on him, she said, about the older gentleman, barely able to move under the hundred or so pounds he carried. The merchants did, and the guy collapsed. They moved to help him, but the woman laughed. They didn't need to do that. He will be fine. He loves it. Don't you, dear? The man forced a smile. Yep, love you. Joan said, wait, dear, was that her husband? She said, yeah, he was the owner of this place. All right, she would gather dinner and see if there's anything else she could get them. Wink. Jowen sighed. Yeah, rats. He was going to go stay next door in the spooky one. His friend said, what? That place was gross and probably haunted. He said he knew, but it was just this little thing he had been told. Never stay where an old man is married to a young woman. And these were starting to feel a lot less like universal things and more and more super specific. So yeah. He was going to stay next door. They should enjoy, though. Looks like the head of a nearby lord's household was also staying here, while his boss stayed in the castle down the road. He was buying everyone a ton of free wine, turkey, and sleepy time tea, which sounded like a good time and not suspicious at all. Have fun. We'll see what happens when that definitely not suspicious thing is not suspicious, but that, once again, will be right after this. Are you ready? Jowen heard as he laid awake in the dilapidated inn next door. The ghost children had finally stopped playing in the hall, which would have been spooky if it wasn't so annoying. Then, as soon as he closed his eyes, he heard some whispers from outside the window. Whispers that were so loud they could barely be classified as such. I'm as ready as I'll ever be. So, we'll stab your husband, the elderly innkeeper, and put the dagger in the hand of the merchants that we gave all that wine to. They'll be charged and hanged, and then we can finally be together and also be small business owners. Yeah, though, I feel like we probably shouldn't be talking about it this loudly, the woman said. Ah, probably nothing to worry about. All right, let's go get to killing. Jowen heard them walk off. Finally, he could get some sleep. He closed his eyes and then immediately opened them again. Wait. There had been a murder. Luckily, the head of the Lord's household had been on the scene and locked down the inn. A thorough search had found the murder weapon in the room of the merchants from out of town. Now, Lord Guavas stood before the three merchants who had been pulled from the inn bound and now awaited their sentence. The merchants said that they didn't know what was going on and they were scared. Were, were lawyers a thing? They should probably talk to a lawyer. The Lord's man told his boss that that was the likely story. True justice was swift 
and didn't wait for things like trials or testimonies, and the people of this town wanted to watch these criminals hang, mainly because they loved the innkeeper, but also mainly because this was the Middle Ages and executions were a big entertainment draw. Lord Guavas looked the men over. All right, yeah, it was obvious that they had done it. Is it, though? Jowan asked. The whole crowd turned to see the guy in the bathrobe. He introduced himself. He was Jowan. No profession. He was actually currently in between failures. He was staying in the dilapidated spooky place next door. And he had been trying to sleep when he heard the accuser here, Lord Guavas's man, plotting with the late innkeeper's wife. When he realized what was going on, he jumped up and ran to the innkeeper. But it was too late. The man was already dead, and he went to his friend's window to see the innkeeper planting the murder weapon on them and arresting them. The wife looked nervously to her lover, but the head of Lord Guavas's household stepped forward. Did Jowan have proof? Jowan said no, and Lord Guavas's man smiled, but Jowan continued. Jowan didn't have proof, but the Lord's man did. The bloody gloves he had worn for the murder were still tucked in his pocket. Lord Guavas's man sneered and jammed his hand in his pocket. That's ridiculous. He stopped and pulled out his ornate bloody gloves. He said that that wasn't right. He took these off and threw them out the window. He looked at Jowan. Jowan had put them back in his pocket. He turned to the guards. Arrest this man. Wait. No, he... Ooh. He said I accidentally confessed to murder in front of a crowd. The Lord's guards tackled the man and Jowan and his friends were on the road within 15 minutes. No use sticking around and waiting for the winds of fortune to change again. And yeah, Jowan explained to them when they were on the road that he went to the elderly man's room, but it was too late to save the innkeeper. But he noticed the murderer ditched the gloves out an open window. He recovered the bloody gloves, rushed to his friend's room, and hid under the bed, tucking the gloves back into the murderer's pocket while the murderer planted the dagger. It was risky, but he couldn't let them take the fall for it when he could do something about it. Real quickly, this is Jason, by the way. In the original, the story is a bit different. There weren't any gloves, but instead, Jowan hid under the bed and cut the man's purse off of his belt. When he presented the purse to the Lord, he told the whole story, and the Lord believed him over his own head of household. This seemed odd to me, because Jowan not only put himself in the same room as the accused murderers, but also robbed a man to somehow prove their innocence? I thought Jowan giving him his own bloody gloves back helped to make a bit more sense and didn't really change things a lot. Anyway, it was an uneventful trip the rest of the way home, though it's kind of hard to adopt attempted robbery and beating murder charges. When they arrived back in their village, the merchants thanked Jowan with a horse and enough presents to make up for three years' worth of wages that he had traded. His family was overjoyed to see him, and he didn't happen to mention the trades that he had made. That is, until something came up. His wife revealed to him a find. Lord Guavas had ridden through their town just a few hours before Jowan returned, and on the path that he had traveled, Jowan's wife had found this. She revealed a purse full of gold. Twenty, thirty pieces. It didn't have a name, so she could pretend not to know. It did have a crest, though. It was Lord Guavas's crest. 
Jowan looked at the coins. This was 10 years worth of work for him. Spent frugally, they could live on this amount for the rest of their lives. But he remembered something. The third bit of advice he had spent a year's worth of wages on. Honesty is the best policy. He said that it felt ridiculous that his family would give money back to the Lord, who likely didn't even know it was gone when they had spent the last three years living off of charity themselves. But after the trip he just had, he wouldn't ignore the advice. He grabbed his coat. And honesty was the best policy. Lord Guavas said that he was glad Jowen stopped by, not just for the money, either. He never got to thank the man for helping bring his murderous administer to justice. They left the town so quickly. Also, he was a very honest man. Those were hard to come by in this world. Was Jowen looking for a job? Because one had just come available. It was the head of household. So that's how, by following the farmer's advice, Jowen ended up living in a mansion and earning five sovereigns a year after Guavis had gifted him the purse. Jowen gave the purse to his sister and brother-in-law for their years of kindness and they prepared a homecoming celebration for Jowan. Jowan was so happy that he almost forgot about the cake, the one the farmer told him not to eat, except when he was feeling the most joyous. He didn't imagine it could get much better than this. He set the cake down on the table, and his wife grabbed the knife. She cut it, and nine golden sovereigns fell out. Everything that he had earned, everything he had thought he had given away for advice that, yeah, had actually been kind of worth it, had been with him the whole time. A lot of stories are about the benefits of wisdom over money, but most of them go the way of the character choosing money at first, with their life going horribly, until they realize at the end of it that they should have chosen wisdom. I like this one because Jowen chooses wisdom at the outset, and things are really hard for him, but it pays off. And yeah, I think we've talked about it before, but the whole wisdom being better than money thing is, to paraphrase Rick and Morty, just getting money with extra steps, because anyone who does choose wisdom does end up rich in the end, and that's the whole lesson anyway. The third story today is a super short one that we originally told on the member podcast. It fit the theme, and... I've always liked it for some reason. So here you go. The man's axe. It was missing. He looked everywhere. Inside, outside, in trees and stuff. He couldn't find it anywhere. Then, the next morning, he saw... The kid. The neighbor's kid. You know the type. Always looking like he was up to no good. He looked like a thief. The man missing his axe saw the boy looking around, glancing furtively, no doubt, planning his next theft. Whenever the boy opened his mouth, he spoke like a thief. He walked all hunched over like he was trying to hide from sight like a thief. The man shook his head. The boy stole his axe. He knew it. He was going straight to the authorities. They would turn that house inside out. The kid was going to have to answer for his crimes and... Hey, hey buddy, he heard. He looked down the road to the person that was waving. 
the man, the one missing his axe, waved back. Hey, back. I was just brooding. What's up? I found your axe, I think. It was in the valley, the person said, holding up the man's axe. The man clenched his fists. The valley. He had been cutting wood there just yesterday. He completely forgot. He thanked the person for bringing it back, smiled, and shook his head. Ugh, ridiculous. Hey, neighbor, he heard from next door. He looked up, and the neighbor's kid was smiling and waving. The neighbor waved back and watched him go, marveling that he now looked, spoke, and walked just like any other kid. I always like that one, and how it's such a short story that shows how our thoughts about something or someone can completely change how we see them, and how, before we act, we should challenge our own preconceived notions about the world, or else we might find that the true problem was us all along. That's it for these stories. Next week, we're in Korean folklore, But if you're looking for something to listen to in the meantime, a new episode of Scoundrel is out right now. It's a bizarre and tragic true story of a woman in the Middle Ages forced into a convent so her dad could take all of her money. She takes control of her life through love, murder, and, of course, poop smoothies. Check out Scoundrel, History's Forgotten Villains, by searching for Scoundrel wherever you get your podcasts or by following the link in the show notes. The creature this week is the Butash al-Ilgs from Switzerland. The name literally means the cow's stomach, and that's what it is. A cow's stomach, covered in eyes, that breathes fire. You might be thinking, that doesn't sound scary. If it's covered in eyes, it's essentially covered in weak spots. And maybe it should get on one page thematically. Is it a stomach that eats people or laser eyes that immolate them? The answer, of course, is yes. It's not scary to us because we're not sadistic feudal lords. We've told, like, one other Swiss story on this podcast, and it had the same theme. A cruel baron lording his power over the people. Well, I guess in a different part of Swiss history, or Swistery as the academics call it, there were a lot of cruel barons, and they were all about that oppression. So much so that when a bunch of them returned from a party hunt camp out, they found a group of shepherds watching over their cattle by the lake. The barons, already armed, just kept the hunting party going and killed all the cattle for fun. The shepherds could only watch in horror, lest the barons turn the weapons on them. Something else was watching, though, because the water in the lake started to churn, and the cow's stomach emerged. The monster, not one of the stomachs of the cows they just killed. The monster, a giant stomach covered in thousands of eyes, rolled out and over all the offending nobles. And one source says, quote, If the eyes focused on one point, bone-melting flames would erupt. The shepherds were scared, but otherwise untouched. It came out of the water again a hundred years later, during a thunderstorm, hooking its tendrils into the hillsides and causing landslides. It hasn't come out since but I guess people wouldn't even graze their sheep on the hillside near the lake. But really, you have nothing to worry about, unless you are a cruel ruler. Then maybe knock that off, unless you get rolled over by a giant leering cow stomach, or 
Get your bones melted by its gaze. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free. And the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.